What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the Lockdown Eagles podcast. Louis DiBiase joining you on this weekend edition of the show, episode five of this week. Thought we'd get some extra ones in as the news just keeps coming and coming as free agency has officially begun. Monday was the opening day where tampering begun, and then Wednesday you could officially start signing and making trades, and the Eagles have been in the headlines a lot. It was kind of a quiet start, but then they brought in Javon Hargrave, a pass-rushing, giant, run-stopping defensive tackle from the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then on Wednesday, you know, they made a bunch of other signings too in-house, bringing back Nate Sudfeld, you know, Hassan Ridgeway, Rodney McLeod, Jalen Mills, and then the big shoe did finally drop on Wednesday when they made a trade for Lions cornerback Darius Slay, giving up a third-round pick and a fifth-round pick uh, to Detroit and then signing him to a three-year extension worth $50 million, 30 of which is guaranteed. So it's been a, a busy week, and it's also, you know, they've let some other guys go that haven't made a lot of Eagles fans happy, and certainly myself, I'm not very pleased with what happened uh, throughout the Malcolm Jenkins situation, and that's what I want to get into today because on the past few podcasts, we've kind of been really talking about the positives, right? We've been hyping up the Hargrave signing and the Darius Slay trade and making sure they brought back Rodney McLeod and Jalen Mills. There's a lot of good stuff that Howie Roseman has done, and we got in-depth on all of those transactions. So that's why make sure you subscribe to the podcast on any podcast platform or on LockdownEagles.com. So if you want to get deeper into all of those moves, we do have those podcasts. We have four already posted this week. But today, I didn't really on Wednesday get to talk a whole lot in depth about how Jenkins and the Eagles split after six seasons because that night the big positive news came in that the Eagles finally had their CB1 in Darius Slay and I will get into Slay later on in the show I have some numbers I found to really get you excited and I have some more thoughts that I want to piggyback off of uh, what we had on the show on Wednesday so we will get into that later on in today's edition of Lockdown Eagles as a look into also, what is next in free agency? Because the Eagles could still use help at safety. Uh, there was the rumors that they might be in on Yannick Nguakwe, the pass rusher from the Jacksonville Jaguars. And of course, they still haven't added anybody at wide receiver. So we will get into maybe are they even considering doing anything there or are they really just going all in on this 2020 NFL draft class? That is what's to come on this Saturday edition of the podcast. But for right now... Um, I don't think Howie Roseman, look, he's somebody I I genuinely think is one of the best general managers in the NFL. I think he's very open-minded. He's very progressive thinking uh, when it comes to new ways to build an NFL roster. I think he's one step ahead when it came to the trade market, right? Finding, you know, inefficiencies or, um, you know, like these loopholes in in the value i think that he found market inefficiencies is what i should say where he was able to get bargain deals for the likes of you know jay ajayi and i would say darius slay right now and even timmy jernigan also you look at he's been one step ahead when it comes to the compensatory pick formula with how he forms some of these you know short-term contracts with a lot of veterans that can help your team your main core kind of complement that core but then at the same time you can end up recouping a third round pick a fourth round pick in the following draft it's why right now the Eagles have two well they had two third round picks one they moved to get slay it's why they have three fourth round draft picks so Howie Roseman again a guy to me 
I think he's a way better drafter than people give credit for. I think he's very disciplined when it comes to how aggressive he wants to be, but at the same time, he is extremely aggressive, and I think he prioritizes the right positions, quarterback, offensive line, defensive line. So those are all great traits about Howie Roseman that he has learned since returning to the Eagles general manager position in 2016, but that doesn't mean he isn't, I, and I know they won a Super Bowl, so it's, it's hard to criticize a lot of what the Eagles have done, and it's hard to not give them the benefit of the doubt over the past four years, but it doesn't mean he is just completely um, you know, protected of criticism, and I think he deserves a lot of it when it comes to how he handled this Malcolm Jenkins situation. I don't think because you add Darius Slay the same day that Malcolm Jenkins signs with the New Orleans Saints, that we shouldn't talk about what to me was a big, big mistake by Philadelphia. And the worst thing is, is that Jenkins signed with the Saints. It had to be the Saints, right? The team, by the way, they play in Philadelphia next year. So the fan in me that has seen this battle back and forth between the Eagles and the Saints, you know, you look at in 2017, Alvin Kamara, you know, talking about how if they made it to the NFC Championship game, they would have embarrassed the Eagles. It, it just seemed like they always had something to prove against Philadelphia. And then in 2018, you know, they, they beat the Eagles in that divisional round heartbreaker. And then they're, you know, they're showboating by playing dreams and nightmares in the locker room after. And it's just, there's a, there's a rivalry for sure between the Saints and the Eagles over the past couple years because they've been two of the best teams in the NFC. So to see the Eagles leader, the heartbeat of the defense through those battles you know, on and off the field through social media, but also on the field in that game. Not only the the playoff game, but the blowout before that. Remember Malcolm Jenkins flipped off Sean Payton after they just kept firing at this defense and Alvin Kamara scored a deep touchdown on Jenkins. So this was a, a real beef and a real rivalry. And to see the Eagles leader of the past six years go to that team and, and to return to Philadelphia the year later, it all is way too similar it's all way too familiar, I should say, uh, to the Brian Dawkins situation in 2008 when Joe Banner let him go and he signed with the Denver Broncos and then the next year Dawkins came back in 2009 to, to play the Eagles. So I, I genuinely believe, for me, this is going to sting the most to see a former Eagle in a new uniform, I would say since Deshaun Jackson in a Washington Redskins jersey. And maybe it does have to do with the rivalries that – the, between the two teams that those those legends, those Eagles legends, the, the new team they went to, uh, for sure, with the Redskins and with the Saints. But I don't know. It's just with, with, with LaShawn McCoy, it was easier to stomach seeing him in a Buffalo Bills jersey. Uh, Nick Foles, it was easier to stomach seeing him in a Jacksonville Jaguars jersey. Even I remember back uh, when Donovan McNabb went to Washington, it did not sting as much, or Michael Vick with the Jets. You know, it just Jenkins for sure. It's going to be really tough to see, and I still haven't fully got over it, uh, especially today reading his post to Philadelphia on the Players' Tribune called Philly, Can We Still Be Friends? And we'll get into what he said in that article. I just... It's it's really tough to get over. I think the Eagles really mishandled this situation. I think it's a really bad look for them, considering there were these reports that, you know, people were trying to say, okay, maybe the Jenkins just wanted this new four-year deal worth fourteen to fifteen million dollars annually, and he was just looking to break the bank and become this, you know, highest-paid safety. That's what a couple people had said that they had heard. But then you read what Jenkins posted today, you see the actual contract he signed. Like, the proof is in the pudding. You see what he actually signed, money-wise, and that wasn't the case at all. He was set to make $7.5 million this year for the Eagles. He signs a four-year deal, 
and it's kind of a two-year deal though because 16 million of which of 32 million was guaranteed so over a four-year span he was set to make eight million dollars per year and it's basically a two-year deal worth eight million dollars uh in, in two seasons which is only what 500k more or 400k because he was i would think he was set to make exactly 7.6 million dollars for the eagles in 2020 so the fact that you weren't willing to tweak that at all for him because it clearly sounds like the eagles were not going to have to do a whole lot to keep malcolm jenkins and that's why jenkins has every right to feel upset with this front office and to feel disrespected because the dude put his body on the line he did so much for this team every single game for six seasons he was available he was there when everything else was breaking down Malcolm Jenkins was there and for Philadelphia for Howie Roseman specifically to not want to budge at all all you probably would have had to do was give him a little again a little bit more money all he did was sign for 400k more per year maybe you give him a year or two more in term give him a little bit more guaranteed money and Malcolm Jenkins is still your leader of the defense heading into 2020 and the Eagles did not want to do that at all. And I think that's a huge mistake. I know he's 32, and you don't want to be too emotional about your transactions. That's why you let Jason Peters go. It's why you should not have guaranteed Alshon Jeffrey's contract in 2020. Now you're dealing with the backlash of those moves. Um, well, the Alshon one specifically, it's the right call letting Jason Peters go. I do not think the Malcolm Jenkins situation is the same as those. He's 32, but, and I know he's not exactly the same player, but you didn't have to pay exactly the same player 14 to $15 million for something that he used to be. You were only going to have to give him a little bit of a raise. And for what Jenkins still is right now, what he is right now, a player that's always available on the field for a guy that plays safety, linebacker, cornerback, special teams. He's your leader off the field. Again, he's your heartbeat. I want to continue to use that word because that's exactly what he's been since 2014. To not want to pay, the, to be so close-minded and not want to, try to make it work with that guy at all is extremely disappointed disappointing again i like howie roseman's discipline when it comes to and i called it on wednesday uh, or on thursday uh disciplined ag aggression where you know you're not you're aggressive but you're not going to overpay you're not going to give deandre hopkins a 20 million dollar contract per year and also give up a first round pick and a second round pick for him but Again, I, I, I don't want to associate that philosophy with Malcolm Jenkins because it was not going to cost you an overpay of 14 to $16 million to keep somebody just because of what he's meant to this franchise in the past. I think you were only going to have to give a, a raise, a little bit, a little raise to a player that's still on the field, if we're just talking on the field, is still so crucial and valuable to what this defense does best. And that's really frustrating to, to stomach. So I'm not really giving Howie Roseman a pass here or the Eagles. I'm not giving them the benefit of the doubt because everything I've heard reports-wise, I mean, Jeff McClain even said before Malcolm Jenkins talked about it in his article today, Jeff McClain of the Philadelphia Inquirer earlier this week said Philadelphia did not want to budge at all in terms of adding extra years onto Jenkins's contract. So I believe that report over the one that Jenkins was asking for, you know, 14 plus million dollars a year because he even said today, and Jenkins is a smart guy, you know, he's one of the top people in the NFLPA. He's one of the smartest, most intellectual, most well-spoken players off the field. He understands how the NFL business side works. He even said it in the Tribune today that, quote, I know money is tied to timing, market value, age, the draft, and so on. 
But legacy, that's tied to the player and to the name on the back of his jersey. So Malcolm Jenkins, and I'll read another quote from that piece today called Philly, Can We Still Be Friends? Jenkins said, quote, I never wanted to leave Philly. Money has never been my motivator. It's legacy I value most. I wanted a deal that showed my sacrifice had been recognized. Unfortunately, for whatever reason, I wasn't able to. So this is a player that was pretty self-aware that he was not going to get 14 to 16 million dollars a year he clearly saw a deal that you know Devin McCourty got from the New England Patriots and said that's that's all I want something like that I want to I want to raise I want the Eagles to show me that everything I've done for this team over a six-year span where he has held it together when there's been so much adversity especially the past three years when you look at when Carson Wentz went down in 2017 against the Rams how Jenkins you know they're, they're all they got, they're all they, they need, right? That was the saying that we all we got, we all we need. That's the saying that he came up with. And he motivated, he willed that team to a Super Bowl. He was instrumental in keeping that team together when their MVP quarterback went down. And then the same thing in 2018, they're 4-6, and six, and they end up going 5-1 and one the rest of the way, and they win a playoff game, right? Malcolm Jenkins was instrumental in holding that together. He saved the season against the Giants with that interception against Eli Manning in the red zone to end the half to make sure they do not go down by 16 plus points. Then last year, the same thing, five and seven, without Malcolm Jenkins, you do not win four straight games and make the playoffs. So for a guy that has done all of that for you, it makes sense that he would feel gypped that Howie Roseman did not want to make it work. I would feel disrespected too. And again, I would try to understand the other side if Jenkins was being unreasonable with money, but clearly, based on Jeff McLean's report, based on what Jenkins said today in the Players' Tribune, that was not the case. I just I want to reiterate, I want to read that quote again that he said. I know money is tied to timing, market value, age, the draft, and so on. He, he knows every part of this business, right? He understands that he wasn't going to get that deal, but legacy is what was important to him. He thought that he maybe meant more and was still going to mean more to this organization than apparently Roseman thought he meant. And that that's really disappointing. And But I will say that does not reflect the entire, the majority of the opinions of Philadelphia from the fans, the media, I would even say coaches and maybe even, you know, other front office members. I would say that how they handled this is not a testament to Malcolm Jenkins and what he meant to the city. It, it sucks. It ended just like Brian Dawkins and it stinks. It's unfortunate because he's the closest thing they will ever get to Brian Dawkins, right? It's not just on the field. It's off the field. It's what he meant to this city, the community. Of course, he was a great player, but Jenkins even said it. I loved what he talked about in the article today, how you look at Brian Dawkins and what he meant to the Eagles and the city of Philadelphia and how you don't go on YouTube and watch Brian Dawkins' highlights. Those aren't the things that are showed when you talk about Dawkins and his value to Philadelphia. You show the motivational rah-rah speeches, you know, before games. You see him coming out of the tunnel with his Wolverine, you know, Weapon X dance coming out. That, that's what you showed. You showed the passion, the, the leadership of Brian Dawkins. That's what made him special. That's what made Philadelphia love him was that toughness, that grit, that outspoken leadership. And I feel like that's the same thing with Malcolm Jenkins. Like, he was never my favorite player to, to watch. He was never the guy each week I was saying, I can't wait to see Malcolm Jenkins get that tackle for a loss, right? He doesn't have the flash of a Deshaun Jackson where you're saying at any moment 
that guy can have a 50-yard bomb taken to the house, and that's what we want to watch. Or Carson Wentz can duck under a defender and make an unworldly throw. But Malcolm Jenkins, there was this, this presence, this comfort. Again, he was the heartbeat. You don't see the heart, but the heart is what, again, the heart and the brain keep the body going. The, the, the good-looking thing on the outside, Malcolm Jenkins was the inside. He was the heartbeat of that defense, of that team. And there was just, again, a comforting factor knowing that he was on the defense. Even when your starting cornerbacks were Devontae Bosby and Shandon Sullivan and Craven LeBlanc against, that, against the New York Giants in 2018, knowing you had 27 out there uh, made everything feel so much better. And I think that's, that, that's the worst part, that not having that rock back there. And there's still some valuable pieces on defense still. Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, Rodney McLeod, uh, Jalen Mills, you know, those guys are instrumental. But not having 27 out there is, it's going to be very different. And I don't, I don't think it's going to be the same defense. I'm not saying they're going to regress compared to what they were last year, but uh, it, it will not be the same feeling without 2-7. And I don't think anybody, by the way, should ever wear the number 27 again in Philadelphia Eagles history. I know there's a lot of legends that are going to come out of this current era of Eagles football. Again, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, Jason Peters, Nick Foles, Zach Ertz, Carson Wentz. But I think of all of them, because you're not going to retire everybody's number. But if I had to choose one guy of everyone I mentioned from this era, this Super Bowl era of Eagles football, I would choose Malcolm Jenkins' number to get retired. I think that's the next number that you throw up in the rafters. I, I genuinely believe that. So it's tough. I'm pretty upset with how the front office handled it. I think Malcolm Jenkins should still be a Philadelphia Eagle, but they clearly want to move forward. They wanted to allocate their assets and their money elsewhere into Darius Slay, into Javon Hargrave, and they just did not see Jenkins as a priority, and I think that is a big, big mistake. Don't get me wrong, though. I, I think Jalen Mills, as a safety in the box, around the formation and coverage, I do like that role for him as that third safety um, because I still think they need to add somebody new. I think they will add somebody either still through free agency or early in the draft. They're going to add another safety to go along with Rodney McLeod. But I don't get me wrong, I do think Jalen Mills, um, he has a lot of Malcolm Jenkins' traits. I don't think he's nearly as fluid of an athlete in coverage. Um, he's not nearly as explosive as Malcolm Jenkins was. But he has that leadership off the field. He, he does have that kind of role and that mentality that I think he will be able to help replace Jenkins with. But I do think as well, for a guy that's going to play close to the line of scrimmage, I think it's a good fit. He's really aggressive. He's a good tackler. Again, he's not the most fluid coverage guy. He's got stiff hips. He struggles against athletic receivers. But against you know tight ends, you look at what he was able to do against Rob Gronkowski in the Super Bowl in the first half. The Patriots had to move Gronk to the other side in the second half to do anything. And then he destroyed Corey Graham and Ronald Darby. But for Jalen Mills, you know, Mills held his own uh, against Gronk and the Patriots. So I like him in that role. Coming downhill, I like that as a safety. I think as a corner sometimes, that mentality, that aggressive mentality opened him up to those sluggos and those double moves on the outside where he would get burned, you know, 40-plus yards down the field. So I think Mills is a good fit for that in-the-box safety. But again, some people are just assuming that's all, not, not assuming because there's a lot of people that watched all six years of Malcolm Jenkins, but they're the same people that right now, maybe because they just don't want to criticize Howie Roseman and the Eagles, are saying that, you know, Mills is almost this just 
easy replacement for Jenkins. He's a leader off the field. He's good in the box. He's a good tackler. He can cover tight ends. He was a former corner like Jenkins. So easy fit, easy transition in 2020. I think that's doing such a disservice to Jenkins and his value to this team to just say that he was some in-the-box safety that, you know, you can't pay that kind of player and that Jalen Mills for, you know, six million less is going to be just fine. And they're not going to really blink an eye and, you know, see the drop-off between the two. I, I do not think that is fair at all to say. So, uh, again, it's going to be hard seeing Malcolm Jenkins, especially uh, just seeing him in a Saints jersey again next year is going to really suck. All right, let's hit a quick break here. Just wanted to get all of that, you know, off my chest about Malcolm Jenkins because we were not able to talk about it because the Eagles did some good things, though, right after Jenkins did sign with the Saints, including uh, signing a new CB1 after trading for Darius Slay from the Detroit Lions. So I got into a lot of the negatives of letting Jenkins walk. Let's finish off this show with some positives coming up right here on Lockdown Eagles. I got some numbers to really get you excited about new cornerback Darius Slay. That's coming up next right here on Lockdown Eagles. All right, everybody, welcome back in. This is the Lockdown Eagles podcast. Louis DiBiase joining you on the Saturday edition of the show. Getting into just, I think, the mistake that the Eagles made letting Malcolm Jenkins walk. It was uh, emotional reading his Player Tribune article today. Uh, you should, ch- If you have not read it yet, really check it out. It's called Philly, Can We Still Be Friends? And he kind of just reflected on his six-year career with the Eagles, talked about what happened, and it just really does sound like this one is on Howie Roseman. And um, he's done some good things, and we'll talk about Darius Slay right now in this segment, but that one I think is going to sting, and I think that one is going to come back to bite the Eagles in the butt. Uh, in 2020 moving forward. And I've been re-watching um, in this self-quarantine that I'm in right now, I've been watching, re-watching All or Nothing on Amazon. And again, just to see that inside look, to see how valuable Malcolm Jenkins was. Again, it's just so unfair to say he was just some in-the-box safety that's aging at 32 and you should just let that player walk. I, just, I think it's ludicrous for people that watched him from 2014 to 2020 to, to have that opinion is, to me, is nuts. But the Eagles did do some incredible things this week, though, despite letting Jenkins walk. Javon Hargrave, it is so exciting to imagine the possibilities with him on that defensive line, with Fletcher Cox, with Malik Jackson, with Brandon Graham and Derek Barnett. It's scary to think about. I think this defense, although they're losing Jenkins, I think it is going to be better in 2020 because you add Hargrave. And... Of course, you, hopefully if you're just healthy, that's going to make you better. You know, they suffered so many injuries last year on both sides of the ball. But also, you're adding a legitimate CB1 in Darius Slay. And I was, I was back and forth. I didn't know how much of a mirage his 2019 season was. And I didn't even realize that his 2019 season wasn't nearly as bad as some people are saying. But I especially bought into the trade after I saw so many prominent NFL players, current and former, that respect the hell out of Darius Slay as a lockdown man-on-man coverage cornerback that he is. And that is so exciting because that's the exact kind of player that I and all of the Eagles fans have been dying for since Asante Samuel. But you had guys like Tyron Matthew talk him up. You had guys like Joe Hayden, you know, two of the most respected members of, you know, secondaries in the NFL that there are right now. And also Calvin Johnson talked about how much he hated and how much better, though, Darius Slay made him in practice, having to go up against him one-on-one in practice. So to see Hall of Famers and elite, former elite players on defense and, and current stars in those respective positions 
talk up Darius Slay is really, really exciting. But again, it's not just because he, you know, what his talent is, but the, the kind of star cornerback that he is is exactly what I've been hoping for and is what is, is so exciting. Because I've been tired of the, the zone-dependent guys that, you know, they got to play 10 yards off the ball to not get beat down the field, and yet that still helps them get beat down the field because it makes them more susceptible to double moves. You know, I, I think those kind of players, those scheme-dependent corners that just can't be on an island and go up against the league's best and shadow them, it's been brutal to watch so many of those guys come into this defense and hurt this defense. Whereas Darius Slay, he's somebody you can say, go cover Stephon Diggs, go cover DeAndre Hopkins, lock him down one-on-one, go cover Odell Beckham, the entire game, Devontae Adams, Julio Jones, whatever. And sometimes we're not going to give you safety help, but Darius Slay can go out there and do that and hold his own and not get beat on a consistent basis. He actually last year had the third most single coverage targets of any player. The third most single coverage target. So that's a guy that the Lions trusted to say, you do your thing against this player and we're going to focus on the rest. And we're not going to give you a lot of help, but that didn't mean Slay got beat over and over again. Like the Eagles do. The Eagles have lost so many games over the years because a wide receiver could just target either side not get shadowed because there was nobody good enough for Jim Schwartz to say, hey, Razul Douglas, hey, Ronald Darby, go shadow this player. And receivers would destroy the secondary. Terry McLaurin last year, Amari Cooper, Devontae Adams, Julio Jones. The list goes on and on how many receivers, when you point to reasons the Eagles lost a game, not being able to cover a certain star receiver has been a main reason since what? Again, I would say 2009, to be honest with you. Whereas Darius Slay, man, he, you can say, go get Devontae Adams all game, and he's going to hold his own. Here are some numbers from last year where Darius Slay was shadowing a wide receiver. Week 2 against Keenan Allen. 11 targets, he allowed 6 receptions for 81 yards, no touchdowns. Uh, Week 6, Marquez Valdez-Scatling. 90% coverage rate here. No targets, no receptions, no yards. Zay Jones the same, but those two players, like Darius Slay, should shut down. But then we go to Amari Cooper, a guy that has killed the Eagles. Three catches against Darius Slay for 38 yards only on six targets. Against Terry McLaurin, 10 targets, only three catches for 42 yards. Against Allen Robinson, four catches on seven targets for 41 yards. He did allow a touchdown, but only 41 yards. Diggs, five catches for 87 yards and seven targets. And then the last two, shut down Cortland Sutton, four catches for 28 yards on eight targets. And then against Devontae Adams, week 17, four catches on five targets for only 63 yards. I mean, those are pretty impressive. He did not give up one game where the receiver had over 100 yards. And that's against guys like Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, Allen Robinson, Terry McLaurin, Amari Cooper, and Keenan Allen. This is a star. This is a star that the Eagles just traded only a third and fifth round draft pick for. It's um, This one is good. This one is why it was kind of hard to get mad about Malcolm Jenkins because such a great move followed it. Um, Slay, by the way, some more numbers here to get you excited. He hasn't given up a reception of 50 or more yards since 2014, since he was a rookie. The Eagles, in 2019 alone, they allowed a 50-plus yard catch 15 times. 15 times. Darius Slay since 2014, not one 50-yard reception. Another reason he's exactly what we're looking for, Ball skills. When was the last time the Eagles have had a ball hawk 
And I would say Razul Douglas is that, but a ball hawk that doesn't have extreme inefficiencies in other parts of his game. It would be, again, the guy we mention all the time in this podcast, Asante Samuel. Darius Slay is that next Asante Samuel. Since 2014, again, his rookie year, he has 85 forced incompletions. That is the most in the NFL. The last three years, he has 13 interceptions, including in 2017, an all-pro year, he had eight picks. Byron Jones, the guy we were targeting more than Darius Slay this year, the, the plan A, He's only had one pick in the last three years. And that's not a knock on Byron Jones. It's not the kind of player he is. The scheme didn't always help him get turnovers. But it's a, it's not a knock on, on Jones, but it is a positive. It's a compliment to Darius Slay that he was able to get 12 more interceptions than a star like Byron Jones, who was the highest paid corner on the open market this year in free agency. So it's just it's good to know that especially with maybe more unknowns at safety without Malcolm Jenkins, you know, with who knows what they're going to do with the draft and with a new free agent and how Jalen Mills will exactly fit into the role of safety. I mean, you do have Rodney McLeod, but without Malcolm Jenkins, you have more uncertainties at safety than you did last year. Not having that security back there, it's good to know that you might not need it as much as you have in prior years. Again, when you had to have Devontae Bosby play corner, it was good to know you had Rodney McLeod and Malcolm Jenkins. Now that you don't have Jenkins, having Darius Slay certainly makes me feel um, a whole lot better about it. Of course, I'd rather have Slay and Jenkins, and you could have got it done, but knowing Slay is your top corner now without Jenkins... Uh, it does make it more easy to stomach for sure. All right, we got to hit one more break here on the Lockdown Eagles podcast. When we come back, what is next now in free agency? Is there another big move that the Eagles are going to make? Are they going to trade for Yannick and Guacque? Are they going to sign a wide receiver, maybe another safety? That's coming up next. What about linebacker, too? Are they just going to completely ignore linebacker? That's coming up next right here on Lockdown Eagles. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Eagles fans across the globe, we are wrapping up this Saturday edition of Locked On Eagles right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So what's next in free agency for the Eagles? They let Malcolm Jenkins walk. They re-sign Roddy McLeod, Jalen Mills. They sign Javon Hargrave. They trade for Darius Slay. They bring back Nate Sudfeld and Hassan Ridgeway. A lot of moves in-house and, you know, in the open market. They've brought in some stars that are in the prime of their career, especially Hargrave and Slay. What next? What's the next move for Philadelphia? I would guess right now, wide receiver, I think it does still, everything they're doing and people are saying, it sounds like they're all in on this draft. However, that doesn't mean they're not going to sign anybody. I'm still all in on a guy like Brashad Perriman. However, so is his former team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It sounds like they're looking to make... Uh, a pretty good offer for an, a contract extension to Perriman, which would really suck because he was my top target in the open market here because like the Eagles, I'm somebody that wants to build this core through the draft because 2020 I think is going to be the best receiver class since 2014, which is probably the best one ever. So it's going to be up there in best receiver classes of all time. But at the same time, I wanted a Tier 2 receiver, a free agent. I didn't want to go out there and trade for DeAndre Hopkins at that price. Although I would have did what the Bills did for Stephon Diggs. That's not a move that I was all in on, saying they had to make that move. I'm not somebody that said you had to go pay Amari Cooper five years, $100 million. 
but I would like a Brashad Perriman or a, you know a Philip Dorsett at the at the least, or you know Demarcus Robinson, Robbie Anderson. He has been seen as the second best free agent receiver, but now that Cooper is gone, he's the top one. However, his market continues to spiral downward. I wonder when it becomes you know he's not somebody that's been hot on the Eagles' radar. They're not looking to pay someone like that, you know, 13 plus million dollars. That's just not the kind of receiver he is. I don't think he's worth that contract. But when does it become a value signing, regardless of what you think of him? When does it become just too big of a bargain to pass up when the Eagles go after him? Like, what what price does Howie Roseman say, okay, now I'm going after Robbie Anderson? Like, if you can get him at $10 million, at 9 to $10 million, maybe even a, what if he signs a short-term deal, a prove-it deal, like a one-year contract with the Eagles to prove that, you know, he is more than what people thought he was with the Jets, and then he goes back into the open market in 2021, and he signs a bigger deal. That, to me, is something that could very well happen right now. So it's not something I think is, you know, on the Eagles' top radar for the rest of free agency. I don't think it's a top priority. I think signing another safety is. I think maybe like a Will Parks, a good guy to have as your deep safety next to McLeod and, you know, Jalen Mills. Although even safety, I wouldn't mind going early in the draft. I think safety is a big one they are going to want to sign somebody. I think probably a linebacker too. I think they're still exploring a possible trade for Yannick and Guacque. But I think receiver at some point, if these guys continue to not get signed and the market goes down and down, I think the Eagles could pounce on one of those because th- this is a, a team that needs more than one receiver. I know they're all in on this draft and they're going to take one. If not in the first round, they're absolutely going to take one in the second round. But even if you do that, you're going to have to ha- add multiple receivers. Remember, Deshaun Jackson, for as valuable as he is going to be coming back, and I think he gets overlooked, him coming back to the Eagles and what that will mean in 2020, he is 34 years old. J.J. Ortega-Whiteside is not somebody that right now we know will be a staple of this offense for years to come. So right now, and Alshon Jeffrey is going to get cut, I would imagine, as a post-June 1st uh, designated cut. So you're going to need right now at least two new wide receivers to start next to Deshaun Jackson. And then eventually, unless, you know, we'll see. What they do will really be telling about their confidence in Ortega-Whiteside but if J.J. doesn't pan out, you're going to need three new three new guys. So if they don't add a receiver in the draft or in, in free agency, I think that'll be very telling about their belief in J.J. But also then you would probably expect they're going to double dip in this draft. Um, but I would say they do sign at least one guy. And it could very well be Robbie Anderson, and that doesn't mean that you can't still go receiver early. I would love a trio. Are you kidding me? Of Robbie Anderson, Deshaun Jackson, and... If you could get one of the top three receivers like Jerry Judy, C.D. Lamb, or Henry Ruggs, the explosiveness in that trio, or K.J. Hamler in the second round, or Brandon Ayuk, LaVisca Chanel, I think there, there's a, that's a scary idea. That's a, that's a scary trio for sure. So I think receiver, they will eventually sign somebody, but if they don't, um, you know that means they're all in on this draft and they're going to take multiple guys and or they really, really do believe in J.J. Thago-Whiteside. Uh, I, I do think, though, safety they will target still in this pool. I think maybe another running back, too. I'm still watching for that reunion with LaShawn McCoy. Now that Jordan Howard signed a deal with the Miami Dolphins, maybe Corey Clement does come back. I think running back, I think 
safety and linebacker are the biggest priorities. But I think they will sign kind of like running back. I think receiver will be they'll make maybe a small move here or there. Unless, though, again, Robbie Anderson's market really does come crashing down. All right, but that's going to do it for today's edition of Lockdown Eagles. We will get more into it next week. We've got another four to six shows coming up next week, and that's why you have to subscribe on any podcast platform or head over to LockdownEagles.com. And I'm always talking birds on Twitter, at L-O-E. and so is Gino Camilleri, my co-host. He's on Twitter, at Gino underscore L-O-E. As always, thank you for downloading. Thank you for listening, and let's go birds.